through 26. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. Hello again, Christ Church. We are on our third week in our series on the Apostles' Creed, and we are talking this week about that third section, the part which starts with, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Uh, But before we jump in, dive into this, would you please pray with me? Dear Father, we have heard the words that you have given to us um, through in Scripture, and we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit and be with us this morning as we study and we think and we ponder and we meditate on them. Um, and we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you are saying to us through these words um, and also to understand this affirmation of faith that we have been making for centuries. And Lord, uh, as I stand up here, may you give me the strength and the words to say. And Lord, if there's anything that I say that is not from you, may it be corrected and forgotten. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So last week, I mentioned a little bit about being working as a tutor um, during seminary and getting paid to do that. And so I figured this week, why not follow up with part of an actual tutoring lesson? Yes, you are all just joyous. I can tell and not groaning inside. But parents, parents out there, all right, listen up because the ACT is going to have about two to three questions on this subject, all right? And of all the students I saw, there was only one that actually knew what this was. So save yourself 20 bucks and start taking notes. All right, all right, all right. All right, so I'm not kidding about this. So there's a lot of different ways to use commas, right? You you think of we can combine independent clauses. We can separate an introductory dependent clause from the sentence. We can can create lists, et cetera, et cetera. I see your eyes glazing over already. (laughs) All right, but stay with me. So there's one specific way to use commas, and that is to punctuate an apposition. Now, for those of you who aren't English majors, apple what? It's an apposition. All right, an apposition is a phrase that gives us more information about the noun that came right in front of it. Got a slide on this, it might be helpful. Um, for example, there you go. So now you have the, the, the definition. For example, and here's, here's an, an example sentence with an apposition in it. Michael Jordan, a six-time NBA champion, played for the Chicago Bulls. All right, so Michael Jordan is the noun here, and then we say a six-time NBA champion. Well, we don't need that in the sentence. We, we, can, we can take that out, and the sentence still makes more sense, but it gives us more information about who Michael Jordan is. 
That's the apposition in the sentence. We've all seen them in sentences. Maybe you just didn't know what it was called. All right, so let's get on to another example. Paul uses these all the time when he introduces his letters. And he says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And our brother Sosthenes was the beginning of 1 Corinthians. And so that, that phrase there, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, well, we don't need that. We already know that he's, this is Paul talking, but he uses that to give the readers more information about who Paul is. Why is he writing this letter? What authority is he writing under? You can take it out. The sentence would still make sense, or at least the rest of the sentence. This is just a fragment if you want to be real correct. Anyway, um, but uh, sorry, I couldn't let that slide. Um, but it's, it helps us. It helps us paint maybe just a little bit um, better picture of what's going on. Now, actually, in that last sentence, if you didn't catch it, there's, there's two oppositions. Uh, um, and if you didn't catch it, see me after the service, I can recommend you a tutor. But <laughs> moving on, the purpose of the oppositions we talked about is to, is to give you more information about that noun. You don't need it. We can take them out, but they still make sense, but they're, and their presence more helpless, helps us more fully appreciate that noun. That, that metaphor I was drawing of, of gives us a better painting of who we're talking about. And so now that hopefully you understand a little bit of this whole apposition thing, and you got a little bit of a definition in that mind, you can join me in my uh, wonder when one day, randomly out of the blue, during a, during a class, a seminary professor starts talking about the Apostles' Creed. And then he gets to the third section of the Apostles' Creed, and he says, the third section of the Creed isn't just a list of the things that we believe in. The third section states our belief in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And everything after that is an apposition to the Holy Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit's the noun, and everything that comes after that is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's reinforcing, it's telling us more about who the Holy Spirit is. This isn't just a list of things. This, we aren't just saying that I believe in the Holy Spirit, and then I, I list off the other things that I say. We're saying I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe he does all of these things. Well, wait a second, really? Because I've been saying the creed since I was in third grade, and it had never occurred to me that the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting weren't just things I believe existed, but were the work of the Holy Spirit. That's 20 plus years of saying this and never having heard anyone tell me that. It kind of blew my mind. But on one hand, that's kind of to be expected because we, I grew up in a Reformed church, which is what this church is, a Reformed church. And we have a tendency not to talk about the Holy Spirit very much in here. Um, I don't think that's unique to us. I think that's there's the cross denominational lines are in churches a lot. We we tend to not want to talk about the Holy Spirit for a, a couple of reasons. Um, one is that we're we're afraid of abusing the role of the Holy Spirit. Uh, perhaps you've heard of something, some some more charismatic, more perhaps Pentecostal churches that will say that if you don't speak in tongues or you don't prophesy, then you don't believe in Jesus. You don't have faith. You're not saved. That's that's abusing this, this theology, abusing the role of the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Holy Spirit would say himself. Um, and then on the other hand, in our more modern era, the Holy Spirit doesn't really fit into our nice logical boxes. We can't, we can't sense him through our five senses. We can't see, hear, taste, touch, smell. Might be forgetting one, but that's okay. We can't. We can't sense him, and so then we can't quantify him. And, and the whole thing, talking about a Holy Spirit that we 
have no way of sensing feels a bit mystical and maybe a little bit superstitious. Like, ah, oh, yeah, that was great back in the old times, but now today, you know, we know so much more. Why, why would we be talking about him sort of thing? Yet it's in this neglect that we deprive ourselves of the most important part of being a Christian. The Holy Spirit's power and presence is the most important part of our lives, how we live in our daily lives as Christians. Because, this is a big idea for today, the Holy Spirit empowers everything we do as God's children. Everything. Anything we do that glorifies God, any action we do, any word we say, any thought we have that glorifies God, we do because the Holy Spirit does it through us. And so though we don't want to abuse the role of the Holy Spirit, we don't want to emphasize his gifts to the point that, that we are incorrect in our own theology and our own consideration of him, we definitely do not want to make, we definitely want to make sure that we are letting him work through us in every single part of our lives, because that is our goal as Christians, to glorify God and to be his witness and ambassador in every single part of our lives. So we want the Holy Spirit and empowering every single thing we do. And so there's two ways that we, I want to kind of quantify this last section of the creed into. And one is that he empowers our union with Christ. Talking about the first few lines there, this could talk about everything, but I'm specifically talking about the first couple lines in that third section of the creed. So if you look with me in verses 16, 17, and John 14, uh, in the passage that we read today, Jesus tells his disciples, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and will be in you. So Jesus is saying here, and we know this now because the events that have transpired since he actually said those words till today, that Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit into this world. He has sent it to us. But not just anyone will receive it. Not everyone in the world gets the Holy Spirit. Only those who love Jesus and follow his commands. That's what he said in verse 15 back there. Which is a bit convoluted, because... I don't know if you followed me in this before, but the only way that we can love Jesus and follow his commands is through the Holy Spirit in the first place. So he's saying that we're going to get the Holy Spirit by doing this, but we can't do this unless we have the Spirit first. A little chicken the egg, chicken and the egg thing going on here, and, and that's kind of the point. We're doing this because Jesus has sent us the Holy Spirit, and we'll continue doing this work through the work of the Holy Spirit. We are totally dependent upon him. Back to that point where the whole world doesn't receive the Holy Spirit. Only those who believe, love, and follow Jesus. And this is where we come to that confession of we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Because everyone who has the Holy Spirit will love Jesus. And they will follow his commands. And since the Holy Spirit does not change, we are all doing this as one body, as one church, in one group, in one way. Now there's a difference between the visible church... The, the church you see in the walls and the people you see in our seats and the pews and, the, and around the world and the Holy Catholic Church. Because in order to be part of the Holy Catholic Church, you must have the Holy Spirit to be a part of that Holy Church. Many times there, there can be people who say they are part of the visible church who don't have the Holy Spirit. It was that way back in Israel. It's a pattern you see in the Old Testament and we still see it again in the New Testament. People who, who profess to be members but don't truly follow and receive the Holy Spirit. 
All right, so then Jesus continues on a little later in verse 20, and he makes this statement. Verse 20, he says, In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Which is a little confusing. Um, so you've got, sort this out. You've got Jesus is in the Father, and then you've got us in Jesus, and then you've got Jesus in us as well. All right, well, we know because we confess this in the creed that Jesus has already ascended into heaven. And we stated earlier, and, and so how do, is he with us if he's already ascended into heaven? All right, well, this comes to the role of the Holy Spirit in this. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one, are so closely and intimately connected, and it's in a way that we really can't understand, that to have one of them, that is, we have the Holy Spirit, Residing in us means that we have all of them residing in us. Three persons, one being. So if the Father and Son are in us in the Holy Spirit, and we're in them through the Holy Spirit, then all who believe in Jesus are in each other through the Spirit. This is the communion of saints that we profess in. Are you, kind of, are you following this? Because I've been kind of weaving through whatnot. So maybe we'll back up a couple times and maybe try to say this a different way. Um, there's one Holy Spirit, only one. There's not multiple spirits. There's one Holy Spirit. He is in each one of us, not in part. You don't get a part and you don't get a part. No, we all get the entirety of the Holy Spirit when we get him. He is not a person that can be separated, arm from limb and whatnot. All right, so the fullness of the Holy Spirit is in each one of us. Therefore, each one of us is in union with Jesus because there's one Jesus, one Spirit, we're in him. And if we are all in union with Jesus, if, if the one Jesus is in us all, we all share that. And so we are all sharing part of one another. This is the communion of the saints. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are in union with Christ and with each other. And there's no illustration um, that, will, that I can give that will really do justice to this because any illustration... Trying, trying to give any illustration of this is going to fail miserably um, and result in heresy, and I don't really want to do that, but I'm going to try to give you the smallest, dimmest reflection of the tiniest little hint of what this looks like, uh, but just know that this is, this is to help us kind of think about it, not, to, not as a guide for thinking of this. But let's talk about how each one of us are big bags of water. All right? We're all 60% water, so you could call us just big kind of vessels to carry around hundreds of pounds of water. Well, maybe not hundreds, but maybe maybe a hundred pounds of water. Um, and in order to survive, we all have to keep drinking water, right? If you dehydrate, if you don't have any water in your body, we will die. Well, so in a sense, we drink water in order to have water. And the only reason we're able to drink water is because we already have water. Yeah? So in a much greater way than that, we love Jesus and we follow him because we already have him. Because we have him, we're able to do it. Because we have the water, we're able to drink the water. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we are part of that holy Catholic church. Because we all have water and we're big water bags um, and a few other things, we're part of the human race. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we are all part of that holy Catholic church. I'm going to stretch this a little bit more. Pretend that the water that we have in our bodies are all the exact same molecules. Not copies, but we all share the exact same molecules in every single person. There's this one body of water that we all draw from. Um, and through you sharing this unit of water, we'd essentially be sharing 
part of each other in that. We all would have the same, same thing inside of us. So we would all be essentially inside of each other. And that's in a much bigger way. That's what we're saying when we're saying the Holy Spirit is in each one of us. And so we are all part of in, in each other. That is the communion of saints. That is what I've been trying to, to, to draw at. And since we all have the same Holy Spirit empowering us to glorify God, we all do it together. So similarly to how we drink water to survive, and, and so we need to continually be receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in order to thrive as believers. We can't just stay with the water we've got and then just be like, I'm good. I've got enough water for the rest of my life. That's not how it works. Um, you continually, you're, ex, you're, you're perspirating and water's going out of your body and you've got to keep bringing water in. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. We try, to, we try to let the power of the Holy Spirit work through us and go out of us into this world. And so at the same time, if we're going to have that happen, we've got to be having the power of the Holy Spirit coming into us. It's a cycle. It's got to keep happening. And the way that that happens is through prayer. And so, for the next seven weeks during this during the season of Lent, we're going to learn about and we're going to immerse ourselves in prayer. Because the only way that we're going to do anything as a church, the only way that the power and the love of Christ and the Holy Spirit is going to go out from us in this church is by receiving that power first. And therefore, we need to be praying constantly, continually. We'll talk about what is prayer, how do you pray, when to pray, what is fasting, and then how does God answer our prayers. Working through that for the next few weeks. All right, back to the creed now. So on that, when we state that, that line underneath the I believe in the Holy Spirit, that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints, um, before I heard my professor, the default way to think of those things was, at least how I thought of them, was they were the products of our own work. The church and the communion part were our own work. The, the church exists and it functions because we come here on Sundays and we do the various ministries, we participate in them, and we give our money to the church so the church is able to exist. And the saints are in communion because we invite each other over for dinner and we... Um, we greet each other in the morning and we ask how everybody's doing and we get to go make visits to each other in the hospital and we build those relationships and that's the communion. But it's precisely when we try to do those things by on our own power that they fall apart and they just don't work and they don't happen and function well. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live as God's children and it's through his power that we should, should be doing these actions and committed to these beliefs that we have. We don't get closer relationships because of the things that we do and the love that we give. We have get closer in relationship because of the love of God that comes to us, through us, and to the people around us. And so one part of the way that the Holy Spirit empowers us is through our union with Christ, what we've kind of trying to, to explain there. And another part, working into that next section of the creed there, is he empowers us, and he empowers our commission from Christ. Now, if you look with me in verse 21, he, Jesus repeats himself from what he said in, in verse 15. He says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. 
All right. Well, the entire Old Testament kind of showed us that we aren't able to keep the commands of God by ourselves. And so how are we going to do that now? Obvious answer, the nice Sunday school answer is through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to keep and we are able to keep these commands that he gave us. Yet, even though we have the Holy Spirit, we know that we don't keep them perfectly. We, as we came forward and it would joyfully in the prayer of confession, because we know each one of us messes up still. Even with the Holy Spirit. And that's kind of, and that's getting to that already and not yet. Already we have the Holy Spirit. Already Jesus has come and set up his kingdom. But we're still waiting for the fullness of that. We're still waiting for the effects of sin to be purged from our bodies. That won't happen until Jesus comes again. And so in that time, we got to live in that tension. And that's where we get to that next part of the creed where we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Christ achieved that forgiveness through his cross, through his death on the cross, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, that forgiveness which Christ achieved on the cross is applied to us. Because we are in union with Christ. See, Christ took on our sin on the cross. He paid the penalty. We talked a lot about this last week, settling that foundation of our faith here. And because we are now in Christ through the Holy Spirit, that thing that he achieved, that, that, that perfection, that washing away of all of the sins, is now applied to us. Because when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. He sees the perfection, the glory, and the honor of his son, Jesus, because we are one with him. And that's a glorious thing. That when he, we come up, he doesn't see imperfections. He doesn't see our past wrongs. He sees his son in us. And he glorifies us for that. We love God because God first loved us. He sent his son who was victorious over sin and he was risen from the dead. And all that Christ did throughout his life, throughout his ministry, through that foundation of faith that we talked about, established last week, he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. He said it himself. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, all that Christ did is now applied to us. We already confessed our belief that Jesus rose again from the dead earlier in the creed. And so when we confess it now, going on, we, we believe in the resurrection of the body. Now we're confessing that we believe our bodies will be resurrected from the dead. We know Jesus was, but we also believe that we will be too. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that Jesus lives eternally because he is God, and we, we confess that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Um, so this life everlasting that's in this last part of the creed here that we confess is now our own life, everlasting and eternal in heaven. And so in this way, the Holy Spirit empowers us to fulfill Christ's commission. He says, if you love me, or those who love me will follow my commands. He we are able to keep his commands because we have the Holy Spirit. Because when we mess up, we know we're forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. We know that when we face death here on earth, we know that death will not be the end of the story. But that we will be resurrected and we will live with Jesus, our Savior, forever. 
And because the Holy Spirit convinces our heart that we are forgiven, that we will not suffer in death, but live eternally, we can face the temptations and the challenges of this world and hold fast to Jesus. We don't fear what the world fears. We don't fear punishment because we know we're forgiven. We don't fear death because we know that there's life. And so when the world around us is seeking to live its best life now, knowing that it only has a short time to enjoy anything, life is short, you might as well enjoy it. So many songs on that. On the other side, we live knowing that this isn't it. We don't need to enjoy our best life now because our best life will be enjoyed forever. Our hearts and our minds will live in eternity knowing that we will enjoy our Savior forever and in everything and in ways that are so much greater than anything we could have here. Notice this. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about our belief in the Holy Spirit. And yet, so often, time and time again, Jesus just keeps coming up. Right? Talking about the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, and Jesus. And Jesus. And Jesus did this. And he did this. And he's there. And he's here. And there's a reason for that. Because the Holy Spirit, his ministry, all of his work throughout the Bible and in every scripture, what you'll see is that the, the Holy Spirit is, in the words of, uh, is it J.I. Packer, and some, one of the commentators, shines a floodlight onto Jesus. That is what he does. That is what he wants to do. He wants you, when you think about him, to think about Jesus, to glorify Jesus. That's his ministry. That's what he's working here for. That's what he uses his power for, not for his own glorification, but because he wants us so desperately and longingly to worship Jesus that he works here in this world. And so if that is the Holy Spirit that we have working in us, if through his power we live our lives as Christians, then our lives should do the same thing as the Holy Spirit not seeking attention for ourselves, not seeking glory for ourselves, but seeking it for Jesus Christ and what he did and what he accomplished. Our lives should be a floodlight that points to him. And so when we recite the Apostles' Creed and we get to this third section, when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, after that, we are not merely listing off the things that we believe exist, but in the words of J.I. Packer, we are saying this. First, I believe personal fellowship across space and time with the living Christ of the New Testament to be a reality, which through the Spirit I have found. Second, that I am open to being led by the Spirit, who now indwells me into Christian knowledge, obedience, and service, and I expect to be led. So each day, and third, that I bless him as the author of my assurance, and that I am a son and heir of God. Truly, it is a glorious thing to believe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is a glorious thing to believe in you and a glorious thing to have you working inside of us, empowering us in every walk and in every part of our lives through our thoughts and our actions, and to have the comfort 
the knowledge and the assurance of the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and that life that we're looking forward to. So, Lord, we ask that you would continue to empower us. Don't deprive us of water, but give us your living water that will continue to indwell in us and to produce from us streams and rivers that will flow out from us and engulf this world in your love and in your glory, that all may turn to you and bow their knees and worship you and worship your son, Jesus, and what he has done for us. Father, we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.